And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey kids, today we're going to learn about the Mavs. The Dallas Mavericks are pretty amazing, but how do they work? They must be complicated. The secret is the Mavericks only work when everyone works together. Bobby dunks it with power, and Brunson is balling. Timmy chunking up threes feels really good when they're falling. Everyone works together. From Willie Colleystein, who's the trailist guy. Dwight Powell is on the ground, he hustles all night. And every single teammate from Luca to KP gives what they can and plays hard for the team. That is how the Mavs work. That is how the Mavs work. From Tingus Pingus all the way to Trey Burke. That's how they work. Hey everyone, look who stopped by to say hello. It's Tim Cato. Hey, you ugly motherfucker. Well, is there anything that you'd like to say about the Mavericks? All right, here goes nothing. There is a shadow GM that's influencing the Mavericks, including rotations, even some of their draft picks. Did you know Porzingis is made of wood and paper mache and two empty Pringles cans? The big bald head of Rick Carlisle essentially functioned to antagonize the players and ruin all of their fun. And the NBA rigged 2006. The draft day Luca trade was some form of theft. We've had mediocre roster since the big German left. And every tweet from Cuban, every Mavrello meme protects the imploding front office. Is torn apart from the seams and that is how the maps work no shit that is how the maps work carried hard by luca just like they were by dirk that's how they work welcome to 77 minutes in heaven a dallas mavericks podcast part of the athletic podcast network the only mavericks podcast that's wondering maybe the mavericks are going after the wrong Drogic brother just saying. Dun, 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 dun. Just, just tossing it out there. Zoran, <laughs> man. He looks good. He looks good. I'm Tim Cato. I write about the Mavericks. Uh, this is... You know what we should do? We should figure out what episode number this is. Because I always like when people are like, this is episode 78. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of episodes. That really makes I think we, I think there have been time. more than 78 episodes. I was just throwing a number out there. I, I do agree. I mean, we've been doing this almost weekly for... 52 weeks plus however many weeks have gone by in 2021 with you know a few skips here and there we didn't celebrate the 100th episode maybe this is the 100th episode let's arbitrarily celebrate it right now welcome (laughs) to the 100th episode celebration it's 77 minutes well well okay so mike pellucci uh our d magazine's own d magazine sports editor mike pellucci yes sir what you're doing mike is providing Uh us a reason to celebrate on this podcast yeah implications are there 
Are you a man um, who does not feel there is much to celebrate? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Kent, our producer, our producer, Kent Garrison, is informing us that it is, in fact, episode 108. For those who okay. keep score at home. Uh, no, I think there – let's put it this way. I think there's reason to celebrate. I don't think this is reason to throw a bonanza, but reason to celebrate, right? Like if this is me saying I had a good week at the office. I'm going to go down to the bar at the quarter and treat myself to a good leisurely beer. You know, it's not the let's get all of our friends together and just blow this thing out. Uh, it's the, you know, let's have a mild muted. This is good. I like this. I'm happy with this. That's where that's where I think I'm at in terms of what they've done so far. See, uh, I feel like I feel like this. Uh, I feel like this is more like the the 8 p.m. Go read a book and have a beer. And then you end up with three or four and the bartenders are kind of looking at you and it's a Tuesday night. I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what does that mean? What are your vibes there that is uh, that this quietly escalates that you are uncomfortable with the celebration? I'm, I'm not getting the implication. I thought I thought it started good. I thought I thought they made the right signings. Uh, I thought they I thought they made good signings. I, the yeah. right signings. There's that means nothing. There are no right sure. signings. Sure. There's a hundred ways yeah. you can build a team. I thought they made good signings okay. in the opening day, and I expected to be followed with a playmaker and okay. a shot yep. creator. As yep. we've talked about, um, as a Mark Cuban said when he talked about Christos Porzingis and said that, you know, and, and he talked about he talked about Porzingis and Hardaway and he had a, a three paragraph quote and he was like, we have to go get, you know, the bonafide number two next to Luca. We have to get someone who can ease the, the burden on him. The first one wasn't available. There was no, you know, they, they went after Lowry. It was the right decision to go after Lowry. Um, I thought that was good. I thought that was a good. And, and you know what? He chose to go elsewhere. That is going to happen in free agency when there are four stars, um, three stars, five stars at any given free agency. Sometimes there's like one star and there's 30 teams like the math just doesn't work out. It doesn't mean that you're going to go get the star. I think they've set themselves up better for free agency going forwards, both with their situation um, and the front office that they have installed. I think all things considered, but, you know, free agency, unless you're the Lakers, unless you're Miami, a lot of the time. Miami, uh, Miami, yeah. That, that Miami's got a one. pretty good track record at this point. Right, right, right. And, and those guys have advantages in free agency that are unique to them and are not replicatable. To be specific, the ocean. The ocean is great. Everybody likes the ocean. NBA players really like the ocean. They're not into Lake Texoma. They're into the ocean. Right. You, you work with what you got. And for the record, we're not talking about golfs. We're talking about oceans. So mm-hmm. sorry, Houston. You can go. You can go wade yeah, around no. in your little kiddie pool. But whatever. Yep. Nope. nope. That was a Houston shot. Um, the Gulf of Mexico is adorable. I love the Gulf of Mexico. But yeah, I mean, for agency is always going to be difficult for most of the blue collar teams, if you will, or you know, whatever, whatever terminology you want to use for them. The Mavericks are that. I think at times they thought that they were a bigger destination, especially, you know, the the whole past decade. I think they thought they were a bigger destination. They thought that they could just talk people into coming here through money and agents. And that doesn't really be the case. Like players still have to come here because usually, you know, it's not like a free agent on July 1st or in this case on August 2nd is looking around and saying, well, let me weigh all these. No. Free agents have an idea months before free agency, you know, before their contracts ever expire, where they want to go. And those desires largely fueled the player movement in the past decade of the NBA. And 
what I'm getting at here, or circling back to my point, now that I've I've shared thoughts about the Gulf of Mexico, which was more important to get to first. I just think that it was right to go after Lowry. It's okay that you missed him. It was good to immediately pivot to free agents that you liked. They haven't always done that, but they did. I like that. That was a good call. Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown. We'll talk about them in a second. That was two good signings as far as I can tell. Yeah, they're good signings. Like I thought Josh Richardson was a good trade. So, you know, even if Sterling Brown it doesn't work for whatever reason, or if Reggie just gets an injury and just it's it's one of those things that lingers and lingers and he has a bad season. I like the methodology behind adding those two players with their skill sets, with what they've proven in their careers to the Mavericks. But I thought there is a creator coming with it. I thought that that would be the thing. And there still could be, but it doesn't look like it's going to be Goran Dragic. It appears he's staying in Toronto unless Toronto is very much playing the leverage game. But it's got to a point where it's not just Toronto reporters sharing, well, we really value him, so we might not trade him. No, Toronto reporters are, are, you know, if you read between the lines, it really does look like it's a it's a final thing for now. We'll see if it changes. Um, and we'll talk more about that. But um, they're not going to get Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, he is going to the Wizards, which five teams, I think, are involved. That's wild. I thought there for yeah, a second that, that the Mavericks, you know, I thought they might be trying to, to work their way in. I'm, I'm sure they were. But they're not going to get him. Dennis Schroeder's out there. Maybe just because the market is so bad for him, you can get him on a one-year deal. Well, I don't think you can sign and trade. You might be able to sign and trade. Lakers couldn't take players in, but they could send players out. I mean, you could That's send the exception method. back and throw a pick or yeah. something. I don't know. They have, they have ways to spend $10, 15000000 especially And especially if Schroeder's market at this point is a, is a one-year deal. Honestly, I mean, that would that would work okay. I mean, it would be fortunate if that's how it transpires because Schroeder thought he would be way signed by now. I think that's the common denominator with a lot of players right now. Larry Markkinen's market, whoo! Larry Markkinen thought he was getting paid a lot more than he did. Dennis Schroeder thought he was doing better than he's going to. Uh, I don't know what Reggie Jackson thought he was going to get, but Reggie Jackson's out there. I'm sure Reggie Jackson is playing for another one-year deal, maybe. Maybe a smaller multi-year thing after this is a guy who was out of the league and took a minimum. I don't know. Uh I mean, I'm with you that there needs to be another playmaker out of this team. Uh, I don't think I would qualify this as a great offseason, probably in any regard, no matter what gets done. But I think for it to be a very good offseason, you need you need something like that. Things could still happen. I do think I'm with you. I like the Brown signing. I like the Reggie uh, Bullock signing. I like the Tim Hardaway re-signing. And, you know, we talked last week about part of this new front office is we are learning what they're good at and what they're not. Uh I think we have to, you know, what what tricks will carry over from the old regime and what shortcomings might carry over from the old regime. I think it's fair to say between what they did this year and especially what they did not last offseason but the offseason before when they re-upped a bunch of their own players that brought Seth Curry back, I think it's fair to say that these guys are good at getting players in on good numbers. Because I thought that Hardaway deal was going to be for $80 million or thereabouts. Tim reported that there was at least one team that was willing to do something like that. He basically signed the same deal he had before as a restricted free agent when people thought he was overpaid. And he proved that he was a very good player. And now the Mavericks got him on the same deal, more or less. That's a great piece of business. Sterling Brown, if Sterling Brown's shooting from last year is real, he's going to outplay that number very, very quickly. I think we don't know, and that's certainly baked in to the price they got him for. But if he can shoot at a 42% clip, that is a fantastic deal. And I thought $10 million annually for Reggie Bullock, a guy who has proven he could shoot for a long time, a guy who can guard perimeter, you know, guard the perimeter probably better than anybody on this team who's on the roster right now other than maybe Dorian Faye-Smith. 
And a guy who, when the Knicks looked like a mess against Atlanta, he was one of the few guys who he played worse than he did in the regular season, but he at least was competitive out there, and he still shot about 38% of the postseason. That's a good signing. That's exactly the sort of player who will fit well with Luka Doncic. That's the sort of player they didn't have last year as a wing who could stand the floor, defend someone as long, and could shoot. So I give them credit for getting good players, but also getting players that when we talk about not just this offseason, but in a bigger picture of maybe there are bigger moves to be made in 2022, all three of these guys, much like two years ago with Seth Curry, with Dorian Finney-Smith, with Maxi Kaliba, all those deals, these guys are all movable if you need them to be. You can flip Reggie Bullock very quickly. You can flip Sterling Brown very quickly. Ideally, they play themselves as a part of this team's court. You don't have to. But if you need to get out of that money, you can get out of that money quite easily. So I've liked what they've done so far. Yeah, I like that it's flexible. I I think think those are charitable contracts. I think that they're, they're, they're contracts that pay the players about what they're worth. And they're not old players. They're not, you know, Bullock, I believe, is 30. He's 30. Um, maybe, yeah. But you know, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think they're flexible. I think that if 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 you needed to, that that you could you could move. Um, just thinking back on that day, I mean, I it, it was interesting leading into the offseason or leading into Monday night. It's you know the feeling around the league was that no one really knew exactly what the Mavericks were aiming for. It, it did seem like a combination of uh, maybe maybe some misdirection, but. Honestly, I, the 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 vibe that I picked up, and also just what people told me, and what they they were sensing from hearing so much around the league, was that the Mavericks had so many things they were trying to do or considering doing. There was a lot of sign and trade, and and considerations that they were tossing back and forth. And you know, once they got the Richardson deal done, that the the trade exception did did open new avenues that I th- that I believe they were exploring. Uh, even Hardaway, like I, I knew, I guess a little bit before free agency, but you know, I, I wasn't sitting on that for days by any means, or even hours, to be honest. Now, when when I said that, you know, I think I tweeted out, you know, the Mavericks had been had been seriously considering this. I'd been hearing kind of two ways of, of about where they were thinking, and um, you know, the clearly the 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 one side that said we're going to resign him, you know, immediately that he is a priority that that was the correct side so it was pretty easy to understand from that point you know which which uh which narrative and which pattern of events was correct and and kind of talk about it in that way but i you know i I think that this was like they they had they had such aspirations and and i i again i like that they they acted quickly i like that they quickly you know approached two two different free agents who fit for for different ways um I just it's it's weird it's just weird to think that since that first day that nothing has happened because i thought you know and so i i think this is where we talk about the the tragic the tragic trade a little bit and and say you know i i the understanding is is you know from what i hear and, and from what a lot of other people are reporting is that essentially it broke down because it well it didn't break down you know the mavericks are trying to introduce themselves to that trade to reroute tragic to dallas but they didn't you know they would have had to send something if they were going to send pal and something that something had to be something toronto wanted because they view Dragic as a positive asset as somebody who on an expiring deal is still a good player and expiring players are wanted who are good like Dragic is a proven playoff guy who can handle the ball and create his own shot not to the level that he could before but you know if they got him i i think this would have been a you know a, a solid a fine a fine offseason 
Correct. And so I guess my question to you is, how much do you think it's a mistake if the team just said, if the Mavericks just said, we're not going to include an asset? And to what level of a prospect would you include in, in an idea like that? Yeah, I mean... Well, like what look, is Drogic's worth to Dallas? Let's start with that. Yeah, well, look, before we even get into what the addendum is, it's worth noting that you and other outlets have reported that they don't want to go to Dwight Powell. That, to me, is a mistake uh, on two levels. One, uh, so, so real quick, Mike, I, I, I no, he'd been shopped around. Like, he is available. He is, he is available for a trade like this. I, there is a reticence around the organization to trade him, um, especially, but... It doesn't, you know, he is he is able to be traded. I, I think I, I did write that and, and I did write it in a way. Here's some more context just as a heads up that like they have to be if there if there is any doubt in their mind, but they have a trade that they could make. It may be a factor in there. And there's reasons that that Powell is beloved around the franchise and good reasons because he I've said this ever since Dirk retired. He is the person carrying forward Dirk's, you know, work ethic and legacy in a lot of ways. They're a very loyal franchise. That said, I, I just want to be clear: that sure, is sure, not sure. the holdup. That's that's not because there, yeah, it was it was tweeted and and people people read it either the wrong way or I don't know. Maybe I didn't phrase it right. I, I think it was. That's it was why we have this podcast. So you can have yeah, a it was tweeted. It was tweeted clarify. without the full screenshot though, and I think and the full screenshot. It's very clear that what I'm saying the holdup was 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 the. Yeah, was the well, uh, the compensation going to Toronto that Dallas is not willing right. to do? So well, I just wanted I mean, to clarify that. And now back to you. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's it's good clarification. And for the record, I mean, whatever the distinction of value with Dwight Powell is, I do think in a deal like this, they should be willing to move him just because right. you're getting a player back in Goran Dragic who has been in this league a long time, who has been in winning environments, who is a veteran, who has played a key role on a team that has gone to the finals. Those are intrinsic elements that nobody in this roster has so for whatever the argument might be of oh dwight is a culture guy and he absolutely is and dwight's good in the room and he absolutely is there are also in this particular instance you would be importing some things that could help you from a cultural standpoint that are different from anybody else here too as far as what kind of asset you give up i mean i'm sympathetic to where they're coming from in that this is the guy who is on an expiring deal is 35 is not who he was goran Dragic is a good player goran Dragic would be a guy who would be in a playoff rotation but he isn't going to put you over the top the way that Kyle Lowry is. And this is a team that doesn't have too many you know, young assets, right? Uh, so I don't know what the line is. I, I wouldn't give a one. I personally, I mean, it's, it's tricky, right? Because I sit here and people who listen to this podcast know I've been a Josh Green defender. But they just brought in two guys who are going to take a lot of minutes away from Josh Green. I don't know how Josh Green gets on the floor right now. So would, you move, would I move Josh Green if I'm also getting, let's say... I don't know, a different young guy back or maybe, you know, a second round pick that's protected or not protected second round pick. They don't do that. Some kind of early second something. I mean, shoot, if I'm Dallas, probably just because at this point, even if I do believe in Josh Green and even if it could be short sighted, you're working with a shorter window and you're there are too many bodies ahead of them. Um, Tyrell Terry, same deal. I like Tyrell Terry. I would like to see them develop Tyrell Terry because the shooting, you're talking about a guy who could be an elite shooter. He really does have that skill at a top tier level. But where are the minutes going to come from? And and as we're as we're making this evaluation, the other question is what is Drogic's value to Luca in two ways, both obviously right. countryman, all these things. Do you think that being this close to getting a slow, you know, the other Slovenian in the league, there's there's others. There's there's uh maybe seven, but the second most prominent one. Yes. Yeah. 
and they've got close to doing it now twice. Do you think that impacts Luca? And and then in another way, does a 35-year-old Goran Dragic help him develop some of these habits that we know Luca does need to? What's the value in that? And is that worth, okay, we're going to give up Josh Green? Well, and, and these things are unknowable, right? We right. don't know how good their bond is. We don't know what their dynamic is. We don't know if Trojan could give Luca what he needs. We don't even know if he'd stay after one year. And so in that sense, if Toronto wants an asset and you're an asset-strapped team, we could sit here in the moment and say, give it up and get Trojan. This will be it for a better offseason. It'll be better in the short term. But if you do take a step back and you look at the story of this franchise – and how difficult it has been for them to accrue and you know maintain, much less even develop most of their young assets. I do also get why they're sitting there saying, no, man, this is a 35-year-old and an expiring deal, and he's a fraction of what he was, and you want me to give up one of the few young pieces or few picks that we've got in our inventory for that? No, I'm not doing that. But, but why has it been difficult to acquire young assets, young prospects? For this franchise, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not dumping. Right, it's a like, circular I, We problem. both know the answer to this. I know, and I don't. They know. don't care about the draft. They don't. They've never valued the draft. They don't care about the draft. They don't really try. But here's the thing, and this goes back to new regime. Do we know that for a fact going forward? Are we sure that is how they will feel? Maybe Mark over you know Mark who makes all the decisions at the end of the day, right? Mark has more than ever been transparent on the fact that he will make the final calls. Maybe this is a Mark thing, and Mark will say up and down, look. I don't care if we can get the right asset. Maybe that doesn't change. But maybe Nico Harrison is big on the draft. And maybe Nico is the one telling him we should do the draft. I don't but know. But they missed They're their all... chance. Like, they, they, their chance was the past decade when they were a pretty bad team. You know, like like sneaking in. You know, even even if you're a seventh eight seed, like, those those picks are more valuable. They were – I mean, I sure. The thing is, though, they were never really bad enough, right? This is why I hate when people compare – them to Atlanta or them to Phoenix. They had a narrow window when they were bad. It was two years of top 10 picks other than the pick that they moved in the trade against Dodgers, right? Uh, But it was two years of being bad. It was Dennis Smith Jr. And then you got Luka. And Luka was so good that he elevated things very quickly. This isn't like Phoenix, but they had years and and years to stack picks. This isn't, what's that? I mean, I wrote a story about about exactly that. I definitely agree. Uh, right. A couple of weeks ago, I did. Yeah, he sped up their timeline in a way they couldn't have predicted. They right. They never had the window to try and go through the draft. Should they have done it in some Dirk's golden years? Yeah, probably. But I, that's a different conundrum. Once you had Luca, there was never a feasible way to doing it because, and this is one of many ways why, as nice as it is to compare Trey Young to Luca, and they'll do it. It'll happen for the rest of his career. Trey Young did not accelerate a timeline like that. Right. Okay. So. You, they never had a window where they could have really maximized top 10 picks. Now, we could always look at things like, yeah, they should have kept the honest pick and let Donnie draft them. But it wasn't like they had a, you know just huge inventory of top 10 selections that you could just throw against the wall and hit on more of them and build more of a sporting cast. So I don't know. Do they, yeah, Did they miss the window? I mean, they're going to be picking in the 20s for a while or the late teens. That's hard to work with, but what was ever the window? It was the it was Dennis Smith essentially. It was probably it was picking. It was okay in hindsight. You should have picked Donovan Mitchell, but guess what? Everybody, myself included, or Miles Bridges, or yeah, sure. Mikhail, but everybody Mikhail that Bridges night, that everybody job, so. that night, myself included, thought Dennis Smith was a great pick. I don't. I didn't see anybody. I, did, yeah. I yeah. don't see anybody say. I mean, not just you and me, but people who cover the draft for the living. I think everybody liked that pick. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Moneyball Boys brought this up a day or two ago. It was just a great example. Is that on draft night, the Mavericks had a chance to trade up by taking in the expiring deal of Kent Bazemore. And instead, they're like, we don't, we don't want to take on expiring money because we have cap space this coming summer. Um, or, or I guess the next summer because this was the 2018 draft and they're trying to save it for the 2019 uh, free agency yeah. period. But so they're like, no, 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 we don't, we don't want to take Bazemore. And so they ended up giving up the following year's pick to trade up for Luca. So they, they got it done, but they used a draft pick to do it. That is fair. And and that is just to me so representational of like the moment they get Luca. They didn't even know what Luca was at this point. They didn't know how good he was, but they get Luca right. and they're like, all right, we're we're moving the timeline up. And, but then they were like, no, like we're not actually taking a slow rebuild to this. It doesn't matter, you know, it, it does matter that Luca was was as good as he was as as quickly as he was, but they were never gonna be methodical. They're never going to take on cap, you know, bring in, bring in expiring or not even expiring. They're, they're never going to be a, a salary dump team to preserve draft capital over the coming years. And they showed that that night. And now they have, now they're out of options. They didn't have a 2019 pick. They had to push their New York picks even further out, which means they don't even have a first round pick. They could send a future first round pick. They could send to Toronto, even if they wanted to. Like, like that's that's how that would have worked if if you wanted a, a future first round pick to send, and if maybe maybe that's all Toronto wanted. Dallas doesn't have that. Like they're, they're they haven't got far enough in the timeline to even have their picks able to be traded again, um, or make it realistic. And if you're going to send two firsts to New York for the Kristaps deal, you know maybe maybe it would have maybe you'd already have your picks back. You know, like that you would in that scenario. So, and then they did nothing in the 2019 free agency as well. So yeah, 2019 free agency was bad. Uh, but I think, like, anyway. ultimately, there, there's a lot of retcon that's going on here, right? Because we could sit here and say, you're right, there's no methodical plan. There was no larger plan in place. Even oh, I don't want to say there was a plan. There was no desire okay. for the long, slow sure. rebuild. Sure. Okay. But you know, who, you know who had a long desire for a longer rebuild uh, until this year? New Orleans. And you know what changed that? When you realize that Zion Williamson ain't down for that plan. And you better start winning soon. And if Zion Williamson ain't down... I'm pretty sure Luka Doncic, as good as he is, as competitive as he is, as somebody who's experienced success both in the EuroLeague and internationally, seeing as how he's never lost for the Slovenian national team in his life, you think Luka Doncic is going to be down for the slow, methodical build when he is that good? 
So we could sit here and we can make that argument. And yeah, the front office, again, there's a lot of stuff where you and I are big process people, right? That's, is the methodology good? More, If it is, more often than not, you and I will support it. But the fact of the matter is, this is a case where even if their methodology is a little backwards, even if some of the decisions they make are a little rickety, I also am not going to sit here and say, oh, well, they should have done the play the long game because I don't think this is a guy who's wired. And by guy, I mean Luca. I don't think this is a guy who's wired to say, cool, I'll be ready when we're 25, when I'm 25. I don't think he's about that. He's never been about well, that. I've got a I've got an optimistic pivot for us. Let's do it. I like optimism. The listeners will absolutely like optimism. I don't know. Maybe they listen to us for the negativity. I don't think so. I think they go to the, I think they go for Kirk. I hope not. Shout out Kirk. We're I not think that negative. We're not. We're really not I, that I, think we're, I think we're generally pretty measured. Yeah, maybe maybe around free agency time, we uh we kind of drop down a little bit and be like, what's going on here? We just diminish expectations. It just didn't work. Yeah. yeah. I just no. We're about diminishing expectations. We're not. We're not yeah, exactly. hating. Um, okay, what is what is your optimism? What you got? Well, it's just that everything we just talked about might not matter because Luke is that good. This team was <laughs> the fifth seed yeah. in the Western Conference last year, and they pushed the Clippers, and they added two players who I think could be should be playoff rotation players. Yeah, let's let's think about it this way: with everything that went down last year, okay, we talked about this, but bear with me just as a quick rehash. Both your star guys are not really ready for the season because they did not expect the season to happen. Massive COVID outbreak. Winter storm. Your best offseason acquisition is a giant dud. You go into the postseason and you push the team that, if the Clippers were healthy, very well could have won the NBA championship. You push that team to seven games. You probably should have won that series, but you don't. But you push it to seven games. Even if... If not Reggie, for game seven, where Kawhi had up to uh-huh. up to the Giannis closing game, that was the performance of the playoffs, yeah. Right. If even Reggie Bullock, the margin was that narrow that if Reggie Bullock is on this team as a wing who you could trust to play defense and hit threes and not be scared of a moment like that, you could talk me into Dallas winning that series. You could. Yeah. Uh, and you could probably talk me into them winning the next series. So the margins are thin enough. And I do look, I think there are a lot of times when teams sit there and sell themselves on internal development and make that as a, use that as a crutch for we didn't do enough in our front office to help, but it's okay because the players on the floor will take care of it. I think that is bunk a whole lot of the time. But you are talking about a player in Luka Doncic who is almost unprecedented at how good he is at this age and how many jumps he keeps taking to his game. Even if he alone just makes another step, maybe that right there gets you around further. And that's not even going into... Maybe Porzingis with the full offseason. Maybe Jalen Brunson, who was not good in that Clipper series, but maybe first taste of the playoffs against a brutal opponent. Maybe he's better next year. Now you have two wings who can play and shoot and should be in rotation. To say nothing of what they might do in the season, to say nothing of what they might still do in this offseason. It could still very well be a team that makes some strides. And what did we say last week? And I tweeted this again. The goal is just leave the offseason with more dudes you could trust in a playoff series than you started. That isn't to say that whatever you do, it's fine, right? I think we're both in agreement that they don't get another playmaker. This is a little disappointing. But by this whole broad standard of just leave with more guys you trust than you started, and there have been definitely offseasons where they don't do that, I definitely trust Reggie Bullock. You could very easily make me trust Sterling Brown. I don't think it's a very hard thing to believe in at all. So already they're doing a bit better. 
And they brought back the dude they had to bring back, Tim Hardaway, and they brought him back at a very reasonable number. Especially when you look at what Evan Fournier got in New York. Evan Fournier is not a better player than Tim Hardaway. So all in all, like this isn't us sitting here doing backflips. But again, I'm having the measured beers of the bar being like, okay, this is pretty good. Good day's work. An oddest day's work here. You said maybe they could have got through two rounds. They, they would not have got through Phoenix. And the reason they wouldn't have got through Phoenix is because Phoenix is a, is a team. Were they playing Phoenix or were they playing Utah? I thought they were playing Utah. But I'm I, thought, I, thought you, I thought you said maybe they could have won two series. Well, I was the second series being Utah. They wouldn't be. Ah, uh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay, I could have okay. seen them playing. I could have seen them playing. Utah. Well, anyway, it goes. It goes to my point. The reason that they wouldn't have got through Phoenix, I very much believe. No, Phoenix I, because, no, they wouldn't. They would yeah. not have beaten Phoenix. No way. Yeah, no, Phoenix no, no, no. is a, is a team that makes you play their style. They impose they it on you. They yeah, have. No. They are very. You know, everybody defends, and then they have various levels to their offense. You don't even have to say all this. This team hasn't beat. His team hasn't beaten Phoenix in three or four years. They haven't beaten yeah, Phoenix since when both teams were bad. <laughs> no, that's that's, but they that's another. So no, point. Utah was the one. They would have played Utah the next round. You could sell me because that would have yes. been a way better matchup for Porzingis. Yes. You could have sold me on that maybe happening, but Phoenix would have crushed them. Yeah. The point behind that is that you don't get a legitimate second creator, second shot maker, second star to Luca. You will eventually run into dead ends in the postseason because you will play teams like sure. that. Yeah. Said. That said, I agree with everything. So that's that's the only point I was making is that eventually you have to get that player. You will sure. not win a championship outside of Absolutely. bubble circumstances, bubble like circumstances or whatever it is. Like something weird has to happen. Like this team, I don't think is able to do that without that player emerging. Completely agree. This is everything else you said is right. And and I think they'll be better. I think they will be like, I thought they were going to be a top four seed last year. Last season is over. Let's still see if they go get, you know, another creator. And, and that that is one thing just, as we talk in some somewhat finality, there is still chance that we come back next week and we're much more optimistic because I don't know, they got Reggie, you know, Reggie Jackson or, or, or Schroeder on a, on a cheap deal, one year deal, just because that's how the market played out. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, even if they, you know, we got process of results, even if they're a five seed again, but they look like a five seed the whole way, instead of having to do what they did where the last quarter of the year is this bad dash to back into where they should have been the whole time. You know, right. even if they, even if they just look a lot less rickety, uh, what you basically want from this team, if you're you know even no matter how much higher they climb right now, because again I'm I'm with you. This team isn't a title contender. They're not close to being a title contender yet. The goal should be win the playoff series. That's the next step they need to make. I think it's a reasonable goal. It was a reasonable goal last year. I think it's definitely a reasonable goal now. Uh, but you know, almost be a little more boring. You know, it's uh, what what am I thinking of? I'm thinking of for a long time. You know, the grit and grind Grizzlies, right? Very rarely were the grit and grind Grizzlies just over the top exciting because they weren't real title contenders. And if this team gets to that trajectory, there's a problem. But what they were was just, oh, boring old Memphis. They'll win 50 games and they'll be, you know, comfortably in the postseason and then we'll see what happens. That's where Dallas needs to be. No, no shenanigans of, oh, God, are they going to slip to the playing tournament? No, what is this losing streak? No, why are they blowing games to the team they, sh- they should lose to? None of that. They need to keep maturing and keep growing up. That's what you want to see, and that's what you want to see for winning a playoff series. And I think that's reasonable. I think this team could absolutely do it. I think that's a good place to end it. I think I think we're all in agreement that the throughout 32 minutes of the podcast, I guess just the number one takeaway for, for us, I think you'd agree, is that go sign Zoran Dragic. Yeah. All Slovenia all the time. <laughs> all Slovenia him, him all the time. Toby. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Oh, man. I like that guy. Just signed it up for the ride, just thinking he's going to get some free international minutes, and suddenly he's like in a metal <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right thanks mike for hopping on uh 
go check out his stuff when it's up. Uh, I did. I saw your intro letter in, D, in today's this week's issue of D Magazine. It's in there. Introducing in there. yourself as sports editor. That's so, me. We'll I know, be, we'll I be live in content, early September. Yeah, your content won't, won't start rolling out here for another month, but that's there. I'm sure it's on the website. If not, you know, they've got a D Magazine has a, has a cool podcast. And, I was uh, on this podcast. You. you can listen to me talk yeah, about what we're going to do, too. It's a good podcast. Earburner. Good podcast. So, anyway, we'll be back uh, sometime next week talking for agency. I'll be in Vegas. So there you go. Uh, my, I might my, have I, you. I might, I might do some. I might figure yeah, out some way to. Fun. Get somebody new. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Shut it down! Let's go home! (laughs) It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. (laughs) Woo!